Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the uh, second Sunday of the blessed month of Tuba, but uh, today, because it's the eve of the great feast of the Theophany, or as we say in Greek, uh, the Paramoni, uh, the Paramoni is the is a Copt, is a Greek word, not a Coptic word, which means like alongside. Para means alongside, next to, and Moni means alone. And so it's come to mean to, or to meaning to mean the obligation to endure alone or simply to keep watching, to keep watching. And it was a term. This was very interesting. It was a term originally used in ancient Greeks in Greece for slaves who keep watch to do what their master wants. And there's an interesting Greek word. It is paramoni, paramoni, I can't speak Greek, paramonarius, which means watchmen. And so actually what the church is teaching us to do during these days of the, the paramon is to keep watch and to be watchful for the great feast. Um, so today, because it's paramon, the regular readings of Tuba were replaced with the readings of the paramoni. The gospel today is from Luke chapter 3, and it's about the ministry of John the Baptist. And clearly all the readings of today were about baptism. And since I'm giving the sermon tonight as well, so I thought I wouldn't talk about baptism with you guys right now, but I wanted to share another meditation on the gospel of today. And there was one phrase that was in the gospel of today that was repeated three times. One phrase that was repeated in the gospel three times. That phrase was, what shall we do? What shall we do? And today I would like to discuss this phrase, what shall we do? And in the end, we'll discuss two things that we should not do and two things that we should do that are apparent from the readings of today. I love this phrase, what shall we do? Because... It's very meaningful for us to ask this phrase, what shall we do? The, the phrase itself implies that we need help. It implies that we need guidance, that someone needs to instruct us. Someone needs to show us the way. If we look at the gospel of today, three different groups ask this question, what shall we do? The three different groups, one were a group of multiple, like multitude, just general people, another group of tax collectors, another group of soldiers. And they were asking this question, what shall we do? Because they were cut to the heart by St. John's preaching. St. John was preaching to them a message of repentance. He said, bear fruits worthy of repentance. The axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And so the people said, uh, we don't want to be thrown into the fire. What should we, what should we do? And so, and, and not only did these people ask, what shall we do? If you look at, on the day of Pentecost, when St. Peter was going out and preached, and 3,000 people were converted, the first thing that they said, they said, what shall we do? Even St. Paul, when St. Paul was on the road of Damascus, and he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the way. And the Lord Jesus Christ said to him, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Is it hard for you to kick against the goats? St. Paul's first response to the Lord was, 
What shall we do? What, Lord, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, go into the city and, and would tell him what he should do. I wish that every person today asks the Lord, what shall we do? What do you want me to do? In every situation in our life, we should ask the Lord, what do you want me to do? I wish we could be like David, like, uh, like King David. King David was very like in touch with this idea. He would always go to the Lord and ask the Lord, what shall I do? Actually, he went to the Lord, it's written, at least based on my research from this morning, on nine different occasions, and it's written that he would inquire of the Lord, what shall I do, Lord? And one time the Lord would say, like the Lord, he would go and say, should I go to war with my enemies? And the Lord would answer and say, go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into your hand. Another time he would ask the same question. But then the Lord would say, no, don't go attack this way. Actually, you should go around and attack from this way. So actually, the Lord was like his like, advisor at all points on what to do. Because every time David would go to the Lord and say, what shall I do? Another time there was famine in the land for three years. Three years of a famine. And, the, and David went to the Lord and said, What shall I do? And the Lord told him, This famine is the result of... It was the result of Saul being a blood, being, having blood in his house because his house was a bloodthirsty house because he killed the Gibeonites. The beautiful thing is that I like from the story of David is every time the Lord or every time David went to the Lord and said, "What shall I do?" that there was always an answer. God always answered them. And I think sometimes we erroneously think the voice of the Lord is silent and actually like the Lord is not speaking to us. But actually what it's written in, in the Psalms and then written throughout the Old Testament, actually the one who is silent is the idols. And always God makes mockery of the idols and says these idols that are made of wood and stone, they don't listen, they don't hear, they don't speak. How can they listen to you? How can they answer your prayers? So why do you turn to the idols? Why do we often turn to the idols and ask the idols, what shall we do? Because they can't answer us. But God can answer us. His voice is the voice of power. Actually, the psalm that will be read later on tonight is about the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord is, it says in the psalms that the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. If we come to the Lord and ask Him, what shall we do? He will definitely answer us. He will definitely answer us, and we will definitely hear His voice. In the Gospel of today, the three groups of people that asked, what shall we do? They were given answers. They were given answers. They said, what shall we do? And then St. John gave them an answer on the spot. So I want to briefly summarize the answers that they were given. And I broke them into two categories. Things that they should not do and things that they should do. From the readings of today, we see that we should not be divisive people. 
should not be divisive people. In the Pauline epistle of today, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree, that you all agree with one another, so that there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers, some from Chloe's household have informed me that there are quarrels among you. I hear that you guys are all fighting with each other. Y'all hate each other. Y'all bickered with each other. It's not good. Why is there so many divisions among you? What I mean is this. One of you says, I am of Paul, another of Apollos, another of Cephas, still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? That's what St. Paul was saying uh, to the Corinthians. I love the phrase, perfectly united, united in mind and thought. Perfectly united in mind and thought. So I was thinking, how can we achieve this, having this perfect mind, united in thought? Mind and thought. I think we can attain this through, through our communal prayers together, actually. That's why we all come and we pray the liturgy together. That's why we all fast together. That's why we all pray the midnight praise together. That's why we do all the things of the church together, because the church life unites us together to have the same mind, to have the same, to have unity of mind and to be no division among us. The thing that I, I like, want everyone to be conscious of is if you start to separate yourself from the life of the church, that will bring division. That will bring division on its own. If you say, I don't need to fast the way the church fasts, you are bringing division into the church. If you are saying, I don't need to attend whatever this way, this brings division. And if you do not follow the way of the church, this intrinsically brings division. Whether you intend for it to bring a division or not. So let's not have this, uh, have this, unit, or this spirit of division, but rather the unity of mind and thought, which comes through our united coming together in prayer. That's why, like... I hope every month we're trying to have prayer meetings and more prayer meetings where everyone can be united together and pray together. So we have this unity of mind and unity of thought. The second thing that we should not do, we, the first thing was, do not be divisive. The second thing is not to abuse authority. Not to abuse authority and the gifts that were given to you. The tax collectors, they came to John and they said, Teacher, what shall we do? And St. John said to them, Collect no more than what is appointed for you. And because the tax collectors, they had the authority to collect a little bit more. more. Give me more. And they would go and they, would, like, they were instructed to collect a certain amount, but anything more that they collected, guess what? They got to pocket that. So... The tax collectors, they became a little greedy. But maybe, like, it sounds greedy, but actually I think if we were in their situation, we probably would have done the exact same. What's wrong for them to increase their revenue a little bit more? For them to live a little bit better for themselves and for their household? To live a little bit more comfortably for themselves? Is there anything wrong in that? But... St. John was telling them, collect no more than what is appointed for you. He didn't say you don't have to do this job. He said you can do this job. 
But don't be overly greedy and take what is like more than what is appointed for you. Similarly, similar, similarly to the soldiers, he said to the soldiers, Do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. And I think the same idea applies to the soldiers. Because actually, I was reading some history on this. There was, it could have been that these were Jewish soldiers, or it could have been Roman, but more likely Jewish. But what was interesting at the time, one of the privileges of Roman soldiers was that a Roman soldier could come to any Jew, or any non-Roman like citizen, and compel them to walk with them one mile. And compel them and say, like, because they used to have equipment and they would have to go walk on, like, you know, they didn't have, like, airplanes to drop soldiers off. And so the soldiers, if they wanted to go to a battlefield, guess how they would go? Walking. And to carry all the stuff would be a lot of work. So what I could do is, that by law, I could ask you to go with me one mile and to carry my stuff. Does that ring a bell to any other biblical story? Remember the Simon, the Cyrene, they compelled him, they said, carry this, this cross. And they intimidated him and said, you must carry this cross. So the idea was that they, and when they would ask you to carry the cross, they wouldn't say, Habibi, can you please do me a nice favor and just carry this just a few steps? I'm tired. No, usually it was under, like, Ismar Kalam, or else I can give it to you, you know? And they would do it by intimidation and force you to walk with them the, the one, and actually, that's why, actually, the ties, this is tied to what the Lord Jesus Christ said. If anyone compels you to walk with him one mile, go with him two. This is what the Lord said. If anyone compels you to walk with one, go two. But the idea here was that the soldiers don't be intimidating. Don't be intimidating. Don't abuse your authority. Be content with your wages. I think the idea here is that everyone should think about their, their career, their profession, their responsibilities, and think about the, the talents that God has given to them, and be careful not to abuse those authorities, like the parents. Be careful you don't abuse your authority of parents, you know, not to be intimidating. That would be very bad, to be intimidating like these soldiers. So those were the two things we should not do. The two things that we should do. One, the first thing that we should do is repent. Confess our sins. That's why John, as we said earlier, he said, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to make excuses. Do not begin to make excuses because all of us, we need repentance. In the gospel of today, there's a beautiful passage it's about. It says this. Maybe you've read it many times. It says, Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill shall be brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. And the rough ways smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. What does, what does St. John mean? Or what does Isaiah the prophet mean when he says, Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain and hill brought low and crooked places shall be straight. What does this mean? This is meaning that re this, this can be done. All of these things are done through repentance. 
St. John Chrysostom says, the valley is the low people, the low people, the empty people, who empty themselves, who confess. Those ones, they will become filled. The mountains, the mountains are the prideful, the arrogant, the one who have no need for repentance. Guess what will happen to those? Those mountains shall be brought low. The crooked places. Who are the crooked? What are the crooked places? The crooked places, according to St. John Chrysostom, are the tax collectors, the harlots, the thieves. But guess what? St. John Chrysostom says, as many as have been perverted before, afterward, walk in the right way. Because all flesh shall see the salvation of God. That's why the Lord Jesus Christ said, tax collectors and harlots will enter the kingdom of heaven before you. They were the crooked streets and the crooked ways that were made, the way made straight. All flesh is crying for salvation. It says, all flesh shall, shall see the salvation. And I think all salva- the salvation, all all people are, are dying for their salvation. And people were desiring their salvation so much that they used to go into the wilderness for a way to straighten out their life. All these tax collectors and these hearts, what took them to the wilderness? They were desiring, they were craving to be made straight. Every, I feel all flesh is desiring this. They want to be made straight. And that's like, that's the coming soon. The second thing that we should do, if we ask the Lord, what shall I do? The second thing that we should do is service. The second thing we should do is service. When the general multitude asked John, what shall we do? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has None. And he who has food, let him do likewise. So St. John was teaching us to be giving people, to be sharing people, to be serving people, not to be divisive people, but to be serving people, to care for one another. Even John, St. John himself, what was his service? He said, I am here to prepare the way of the Lord, to make his path straight. To make his path straight. And according to St. Cyril, when he interprets this line, to prepare the way of the Lord and to make his path straight, St. Cyril says, make ready for the reception of whatever Christ may wish to do. Did you guys catch that? Make ready for the reception of whatever Christ may wish to do. And today we were talking about what shall I do? So if you want to prepare the way of the Lord, you need to be saying, what shall I do? What shall I do? That's what St. Cyril says. I wish we have a church full of people. Imagine now, if every, like everyone in the church every day, says to the Lord, what shall I do? And the Lord tells every person, Inti, you do this. Inti, you do this. You do this. And you do this. And you do this. That, whew, 
be buried. Then we have a mission straight from the Lord. And that's actually, that's what St. John had. St. John was born from the womb with this mission. Prepare. And every person in this world prepared was the same idea. Prepare the way of the Lord. So, as we prepare for the great feast of the Theophany, let us consider what the Lord has told us to do. Through his reading. Two things not to do. Not to be decisive and not to abuse your authority. Very nice. And then on another side on that, don't be like, don't abuse the, the, the gift that you were giving. They, like the Jews, they said we are sons of, the sons of Abraham. So abuse of authority in the same way. Don't just say, oh, we're Coptic Orthodox, da, 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 we came to church, da, da, da. and then like, that's not this abuse of authority, abusing the gift that you were given. Don't abuse the gift that you were given. And then the two things that we should do, the number one, always, the number one thing is repent, and then the second one is to serve each other. Glory be to God forever. Amen.